I just threw the sari on. I took my kids. I said, let's go to the skate park. And I would like to say to all the people who noticed I matched my helmet to my sari, I was very proud of that. And the visual representation of that um, for people in India, for example, to see a 40-something-year-old woman skateboarding in a sari, these are people who can now say that and see that anything is possible, right? Besharam, Batamiz, Chi Chi. Gandhi, Jalhata, Toba Toba, Oho, Bad Betty. I'm Sangeeta Pillai, and this is the Masala Podcast, a Spotify original. This award winning feminist podcast for and by South Asian women is all about cultural taboos sex, sexuality, periods, mental health menopause, nipple hair, shame, and many more taboos. Join me around my virtual kitchen table as I talk with some inspiring women from around the world, exploring what it means to be a South Asian feminist today. I loved chatting with Urbi Roy, who lives in Toronto, Canada. She started skating at the age of 43, when most South Asian women are told that we're just too old. Well, that didn't stop Urbi. Now at 47, not only is she a fabulous skateboarder, she's been featured on so many media outlets. Her auntie skates persona on TikTok. Someone who wears a sari and skates is a real joy to watch. Urbi spreads real positivity. Sari flying through the air as she somersaults. She skates with her two kids and her husband, and it's lovely to see. So yes, Auntie Skates shows us that it's never too late and that we're never too old to do whatever it is that we want to do. Oh, and if you fall off a skateboard, just get up and do it again. Brilliant life advice. I hope you enjoy this episode. My name is Urbi Roy, and I was born in Chicago. I grew up in New Jersey. I'm from a Bengali family. My parents were immigrants. I was a computer programmer. I started off as a computer programmer, and I left my Wall Street job, sorry, mom, in my 20s because I wasn't happy. And I started to pursue my creative passions. Somewhere along the line, one of my creative passions was a Montreal skateboarder. (laughs) I fell in love, married him. And uh, moved to Canada, and I've been here since 2005. I've been in Toronto. Such a great quality of life here. I have two kids with my husband, and uh, we're all skateboarders, um, which is just fantastic. (laughs) So let's start. I have this question to ask you. What is a 47-year-old Indian woman in a sari doing skating? Tell me. I love the way you said that, like the way it rolled off your tongue like that. Um, It sounds sexy. It is sexy. (laughs) <laughs> sexy, right? I'll take that. I'm going to own that. I'm going to get that tattoo yeah. on my arm. I'm going to do it. Uh, so my husband was a skateboarder. And honestly, I kind of said the same thing you said in the beginning, that it just seemed so fascinating, but, you know, so far removed from anything I could do as a grown woman. I can't get on a skateboard. Uh, I wasn't even allowed a bike growing up. Forget it. But 
when my kids started skateboarding, I was like, oh, no, 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 no. I don't want to be the mom standing there watching my kids and my husband living their lives. And I'm on the sidelines. That was just not for me. I don't want to be this on the sidelines of anything while other people are living their best lives. So I said, you know what? I'm going to learn how to skateboard. I don't care if I'm going to be terrible at it. I'm, I don't care if I'm going to fall. I don't care if people laugh at me. I'm going to go out there and, and do this now. And I immediately fell. <laughs> but I got back up again. And I just became addicted right away. It's just such a, so liberating. Exactly what you think. It is that. It is liberating. So I bet you didn't turn out to be the usual doctor, lawyer, engineer that South Asian folks aspire to be. Well, what did your parents think? Well, I did go into computer science <laughs> and I was, you know, a, an engineer in that respect. So I fulfilled my goals as a, as a good Indian daughter. Uh, but I was so unhappy. I remember the day that I went downstairs and called my dad and said, Baba, I can't do this anymore. I'm miserable. And my dad was like, okay, if you want to quit, I'll support you. I, I support your decision. And I think the reason they did that was because I fulfilled their expectation of me, right? I did the thing they wanted me to do and they realized I was unhappy. And so then ultimately, the next thing they want me to fulfill is happiness. They want me to be happy. They're going to be the parents that, <laughs> that make their kid miserable. Uh, thankfully, they were not. So they were supportive. And um, yeah, that's really nice to hear, actually, because too often you hear these stories about South Asian women, particularly having to kind of leave the family fold because they're not happy or they're not supportive with the choices you've made. So this is really, really good. So you call yourself Auntie Skater. And I think that's what drew me to your account first. But something tells me you're definitely not the toxic auntie <laughs> that we all know. Uh, I know from you that that's important to you. Can you talk a little bit about that? Right. I think in the South Asian community, I mean, a lot of communities have that one person who, you know, the stereotypical person who judges you, um, who asks why you're not married yet. Why did you put on weight? You know, what job do you have? And in, in South Asian culture, it's the auntie. And I think the auntie was once somebody full of dreams and hopes. And maybe those dreams and hopes got squashed by society and the patriarchy and stuff. And, you know, I, I saw a lot of women on Instagram being triggered by this auntie. These are South Asian young women. And I said, oh, my God, I'm an auntie. I, I, I'm definitely not a toxic auntie. Uh, so why don't I why don't I go out there and and be the auntie that builds you up and doesn't tear you down? I will. If somebody says something to me on Instagram, I will always build them up. And I think the, the world needs that. You know, we can be part of the change. Right. The auntie gets a lot of flack in South Asian culture. Growing up in Mumbai, I remember this one particular auntie who would stay up late at night so that she could clock what time I was coming home after my job in the advertising agency where I worked. She would then ask my mum the next day, why is your daughter coming home at midnight? What kind of job does she do? that makes her work so late. Obviously, the implication was that I was up to no good and hence stayed out so late. These comments from the auntie next door would always trigger my mother because her daughter's morality was being questioned. 
and therefore hers too. So yes, everyone growing up in South Asian culture understands only too well the auntie trope. The sneaky auntie who'd call your parents to snitch on which boy you were seen with. The bitchy auntie huddled in the corner at a wedding, dishing out all the gossip about who was having an affair with whom. The judging auntie who always made a comment about how thin or how fat or whatever you looked in that new dress. But having thought about the whole auntie trope, I'm beginning to think that maybe aunties became aunties as a survival mechanism. In a traditional culture where women had no power, the only power they could wield was in other women. So when an auntie put someone else down, she was just repeating what had been done to her. It's not about making excuses for terrible behaviour, but understanding why aunties might act the way they do. And ultimately, breaking that cycle of trauma and pain so that maybe the auntie trope doesn't carry on. Let's talk about the video on TikTok that went viral, I think, for you. I know like it happened at a tough time. So if you want to just talk about how the circumstances and how that came to be. Sure. Well, I'll start by saying that I started my account, my TikTok account in February of 2021, which in Canada was a very dark period for us. February, there's like no sunlight. Nobody's getting vitamin D. Everybody's depressed. But then we also had a lockdown. So everybody was so depressed that when you asked them how they were doing, they wouldn't even say good. They would just say, no, I'm not good. So I started my account to spread joy and positivity because I think the world needed that, right? I think that's part of the reason why my account resonated with so many people is because it was so joyful and positive. And unfortunately, sometime in March, uh, my father, who was my biggest fan, self-proclaimed number one fan, biggest supporter. He was diagnosed with stage four lung cancer. Uh, fortunately, my whole family just picked up, got in a car, went down there and spent the last five weeks of his life with him. And while this was happening, my TikTok account was going viral. And it brought a lot, it actually brought a lot of joy to the family. You know, it's such a crazy thing. I, I think my father was always impressed with me for trying new things and seeing how it went. And, you know, it didn't work out, it didn't work out. If it did, it was fun. So that was, uh, it, it was just a bright light uh, in an otherwise very dark, the darkest time of my life. The, the juxtaposition of the two, I think both of those things, um, it, it helped, it helped me so much get through it. I can absolutely understand and I I get the the point of sort of something dark and something so bright coming together I think and the fact that it brought joy to your family at at that time do you think the fact that you did it the skating in a sari had something to do with it <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know I think um I made that video on the Bengali New Year and um you know, I really miss wearing saris. I am not a typical, like, I don't wear a lot of dresses. I don't get dressed up very often, but I love a good sari. And 
I will wear it any chance I get. And because of COVID, there was no chance to wear a sari. And it was Bengali New Year, and I hadn't seen my family in a while. And I just threw the sari on. I took my kids. I said, let's go to the skate park. I really didn't think anything of it. Uh, sure, I, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, I didn't think it'd go viral. Like, it's a cool video. <laughs> it's really rad It's video. It is a cool video. I've seen <laughs> it. And I would like to say to all the people who noticed I matched my helmet to my sari, I was very proud of that. And it, and you know what? It brought a lot of joy to people. It brought a lot of joy to people, myself included, my family included. Uh, and, and the visual representation of that um, for people in India, for example, to see a 40-something-year-old woman skateboarding in a sari, these are people who can now say that and see that anything is possible, right? And that's really important. It was an un unintended side effect, but so, so important. I absolutely get that. I think as somebody who's South Asian, also who lives in a different country, were you almost kind of adopt the dress code of that country don't you like when you're going to work you wear western clothes or you're going out for drinks you wear whatever and then the indian part of you is something you keep for like durga puja or diwali or things like that and i think what you did which is wore the sari to the skate park i think is brilliant <laughs> because <laughs> a, a it makes a cool video like you said but b it also makes a point that our identity is our kind of Asian identity is very much part of our new life in the new country that we've made it. And it doesn't have to be this hidden, comes out once a year kind of part of ourselves. It can be in the boardroom. It can be in the skate park. Why not, right? Why not? 100%. And I think personally for me, like for you, saris make me feel A, connected to my culture, B, dressed up, and also like, this, there's this grace and elegance that I think comes to my body when I wear, wear a sari. It's like hundreds of generations of people before me have worn that and I'm kind of carrying that. And I wonder if it's anything similar for you. I feel very powerful in a sari. There's something about getting the right fall, putting it over your shoulder properly. You know, I'm very proud that I wear a sari without putting any pins in it. I, I always feel very powerful. I'm a, I'm a tall person. I'm a tall woman. If I put heels on, I'm 5'10". So I walk into a room and people see me with a sari and it's, you know, there's there's power to that, right? And, and I love it. And I want my daughter to see that too. Um, Plus, I have a lot of saris. <laughs> so many, so many. You know, I, I don't know in India if, if uh, people wear saris as much. I think they wear lengas a lot too and salwar kameezes. But I, I love a sari. Uh, there's, it makes me feel comfortable. You know, I, I feel, I, obviously, I feel comfortable enough in it to skate in a bowl. So. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> to all those women who are, who are sort of listening to this, oh my God, it's so uncomfortable wearing a sari. Well, somebody here is skating in one, so it can't be that difficult. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will say this, that um, I spent um, over 10 years uh, doing Bengali folk dancing. So that is a skill set of mine is to be able to to move around in a sari. It's a, it's a learned skill. Yeah, so don't do this at home, basically, is what you're saying. No, don't do that. <laughs> Unsupervised. Wear a helmet, a matching helmet. A matching helmet if you can. As a little girl, I'd watch my mother and my aunts wear their saris. 
It seemed magical to me, seeing the women in my family drape themselves in these yards of bright, colourful silks, crisp cottons and slippery georgettes. As South Asian women, we've been wearing saris for millennia, and we pretty much wear saris the same way now as we did thousands of years ago. Whether that sari is a Banarasi silk woven in the holy city of Varanasi, or a heavy brocaded kanjivaram worn at weddings, or the crisp pure white settimunda worn in Kerala, the sari remains the ultimate South Asian garment for me. Bright, colourful, traditional and sensual all at the same time. There is something sensual about the feel of smooth silk tucked deep into your waist. There's something sexy about the choli or blouse worn with a sari that's hugging your breasts. There's something flirtatious about the pallu of a sari that goes over your shoulder, sashing across your bottom as you walk. I feel sexy in a sari in a way that no other type of clothing makes me feel. You spoke a little bit, I think, in our call earlier about how skating to you isn't just skating, isn't just a sport, like it's a big part of your life and how it also helped you in your mental health journey. Could you talk a little bit about this? Yeah, so it, it, it has the first part of the question is how it's changed my life. And I think before before I started skateboarding, I looked at every mistake I made as some sort of failure, you know. You know, I didn't get the promotion or I didn't get the raise or I didn't finish the project or or you know, my business didn't make the sales it was supposed to make. It was just failure, failure, failure. And and I think that's maybe something very common in the South Asian community is that we put so much pressure on ourselves that everything becomes so extreme, right? And and every little bit of failure is such a big deal, right? Some point along the way, I started skateboarding. And remember I told you earlier, I said I immediately fell? Well, I got back up. I got back up and I tried again. And the beauty of skateboarding is, and this is why I love parenting my kids at the skate park, is because when you fall, you get back up and you try again and you try again and you keep trying. And every time you fall, you learn a little bit more as you go until you land the trick. And in skateboarding, that's just part of the journey. That's kind of part of the excitement is like, oh, my God, I'm getting closer. I've almost got it. Right. So that really taught me in my in my life. It translated into my real life that. I can fall. It's part of the journey. It's not failing is not the end. It's just part of the process, right? And so that's been uh oh man, my dad used to tell me all the time like get over that. It's just move on and I just didn't know how to do it. And now somewhere along the line I I learned how to just move on. You know, get back up and try again, right? Uh and then on the other side, uh the mental health aspect I think, again, you know, we, we put so much pressure on ourselves, Sangeeta, and we forget to play. I think adults forget to play. We just become adults and we're like, got to pay bills, got to go to work, you know, got to do all these things, got to accomplish this by the time I'm 45. And we forget to play. We tell our kids, get off your iPads, go outside and play. And then what do we do right after that? We get on our iPhones, right? And so 
just the concept of playing is very, very good for mental health. And I think in the South Asian community, um, mental health, talking about mental health is still a bit of a stigma. So this is kind of a healthy way. You don't, you're not talking to a therapist, God forbid, but you're out there, you're being active, you're being out in the sun, you're working. So when I'm skateboarding, I'm not thinking about anything else going on in my life. I'm thinking about landing that trick. And it's very freeing. It's very liberating. You know, when my father was sick, I was one of his caregivers and it was really difficult to watch him slowly die, right? And it was mentally, if I didn't have skateboarding, I think it would have broken me. He was such an amazing man and I wanted to make the last weeks of his life as comfortable as possible. And I'd give him facials every day and foot massages, but I needed the strength to get in there in that room every day and be able to do that, right? And that's why I had skateboarding and I would go out and I would skateboard and I'd come back and I'd, you know, be able to spend time with him. So in that respect, at a very, very deep level, skateboarding really saved me uh, at a very dark part of my life. But on other levels too, it's just very liberating. What does it feel like when you're on the board? What, describe to me what it feels like. <laughs> well, I guess it depends on what I'm doing. If I'm trying a new trick, I don't know if you've seen my videos, but I've recently started, like my, I know you've seen my videos, but I recently started, um, I used to edit out the part where <laughs> I'd be cursing because when I'm scared, I curse and I really curse. <laughs> like everybody, everybody knows that, Ruby's trying a new trick. If they hear the F word coming from the skateboard, they know. Uh, so there's a lot of fear, right? And then sometimes I wonder, like, why am I facing this fear? Like, what am I doing? I'm a 47-year-old woman. Why am I standing here trying to face my fear? Like, I don't have to do this. And then I go ahead and do it, and then I, I conquer my fear, and it's amazing, right? But on a day-to-day -day basis, I would say getting on a skateboard gives me a chance to take a break to stop whatever I'm doing in my life and just go, you know, I'm, as I'm talking to you, I'm, I'm looking out at my, at my skate ramp, by the way, because after this call, I'm going to go skate. Um, it's, it's just a, it's maybe a chance to um, check in with yourself or check out, right? But it's very liberating. If you're in the bowl, you're flying. I feel like I'm flying. I'm a grown woman and I feel like I'm flying. What an amazing feeling that is. And, and I'll tell you, just getting on a skateboard itself is liberating and exhilarating. You don't have to be doing all those big tricks, right? When I say it's never too late to live your best life, I don't mean go out there and be an Olympic athlete. I mean, go out there and do the thing you always wanted to do because it is so freeing, right? Anyway, I could go on about that, but. Oh my God, that's, that's <laughs> made me actually think, oh my God, I want to try this. Aha, uh -huh. you said it. I was waiting. No. I was waiting for you to say it. And you said it. It's on record. I will see you soon and I'm going to get you on a board. Damn, I said this on a podcast. I've got to do it now. You do. So um, something else I was thinking about when you were talking was about within the South Asian culture, you know, we've got, you know, we don't talk about mental health. So this is a healthy way maybe to sort of let off some steam. But also as women, we're really not encouraged to be physically active ever. What sort of reactions do you get from other South Asian women who see your videos? Well, I think, you know, initially when I was just starting out as a skateboarder, I think everybody was very skeptical, not just South Asian people, but everybody just because of my age and gender. People were like, what are you doing? Are you going to break a leg? You know, what are you trying to do? You know, so everybody was immediately skeptical. 
but then as I started getting a little bit better and I started showing, you know, my, um, my sharing my journey on TikTok, I would have to say that 99% of the feedback I've gotten has been incredibly positive. Surprisingly, uh, I expected a little bit of hate and I, I'm getting very little. And I think that, oh man, I'm lucky. <laughs> I am super lucky. But also I think that if I can inspire somebody out there to take a chance on themselves, believe in themselves, follow their dreams, maybe I'm, you know, that I'm that inner voice in somebody's head that says, oh, look, you know, Octi could skate at a sari that you can go and tell your parents you don't want to be a doctor, right? Uh, and actually that's happened. I've had people contact me and say, I didn't go um, pursue my dreams when I was younger and I'm going to go back to school and do it now. Or somebody else who said, you know what, I don't want to go to school for engineering. And because of you, I had the strength to go tell my parents that I don't want to do engineering. And I get these kinds of messages from people all the time, which is just fantastic. I mean, maybe there's some parents out there who are pretty pissed at me, uh, but not my parents. They're super proud of all the decisions that I made, right? And I think that when I saw those young South Asian women complaining about the toxic auntie, and I said, I'm going to be the one that builds them up, maybe, it, maybe it's working. Maybe it's working, you know, and that makes me feel really good. I definitely think it's working. And I think just the messages that you give out on kind of getting out there, doing the thing you want, like enjoying being in your body. That's the other, you know, message we get as South Asian women. We're like taught to really disconnect from our bodies, right? <laughs> and by getting on that board, like you have to be in your body. There's no other way you're going to do this. So that in itself, I think, is a huge shift for people, I think. I, I'm so incredibly grateful to be at this place in my life because there have been times in my life where I've been very lonely or lost or body conscious or in a bad relationship or not sure what's going on. And I think I've been there, you know, and I can relate to all the people that are going through a thing, you know, because I've been through the things. And that's why there's so much joy, genuine joy and gratitude, because I'm at a place in my life where I just don't care what anyone thinks, you know, and I'm out there doing these things. I'm living my best life. And I, I'm glad that people can see that. And I think that that's something that I share as much as possible, that even if you're not in the right place right now, you will get there, right? Um, and, and that's important. I want to make sure I say that here. That's important. It may not be today. It could be tomorrow. Growing older within South Asian culture, while there's like this whole reverence for older people, our grandparents, etc., we're taught that once you get to a certain age, you just sort of wait around to die. You know, like that's pretty much it. <laughs> you know, just talking from my own experience, you know, like just thinking of my parents, their parents, we're taught to sort of pass on the baton to younger people and just kind of retire. And what you're doing is the opposite of that. You're like, okay, young people skate. I'm going to get on that skateboard and I'm going to do these crazy things. So I think it's wonderful for older South Asian women like me and other, you know, people who, listen, who will be listening to this to say, wow, that's pretty cool. If she can do it, maybe I, I could do these things as well. And it's not just life's not over just because you're, you know, you're told this myth, I think, that you get to your 40s, you get to your 50s, and that's it, job done, you know, retire, sit quietly now. Yes, I think um, we've been told that our job is to raise our kids. And then once the kids are off, you know, 
well, we've done our job, right? And <laughs> that just never made sense for me. You know, people are living a long time these days. And yeah, sure, raising my kids is an important part of what I do, obviously. Uh, but I tell them all the time, like, I come first. My, my happiness comes first and then yours for me, in my mind, because if I'm not, if I'm not happy, nobody in the house is happy. Let me just tell you, like if me and mama comes out, nobody's happy. Um, but I want to be able, it's like that. Um, it's the saying about put your own oxygen mask on first before you put on your child. So I always make sure that I'm mentally or physically or whatever it is in a good place. And that way I can have fun. And the side effect of that is that going out there and living a good life and being active, I mean, just practically speaking, you've got endorphins flowing, serotonin, like all the feel good vibes. It's addictive, right? Why not want more of that? Why, why just sit there and wait for grandkids? That doesn't, I'm not going to live my, right? When I said earlier, I said, I'm not going to live my life through my kids. I'm not going to stand there on the sidelines watching my kids have fun. That's going to go on for as long as possible. I'm not putting that pressure on my kids either, right? That's not fair to them. Uh, so I, I encourage everybody to, to go out there and do the thing you always wanted to do. It doesn't have to be skateboarding, right? If, for me, if I started skateboarding at 43 and I skate until I'm 63, that's 20 years of skateboarding I got. If you always wanted to knit or play piano, if you wanted to play piano, you could play piano into your 80s, right? Why stop that? You got like a long way to go. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I love that. I love that. And it's completely the opposite of the message we get growing up that you everything stops when you reach a certain age. And actually, the truth is, it doesn't. I mean, look at you. Look at me. You know, I'm about to be 50 this year. And, you know, I'm only just getting started. Yes, you look great, by the way. Wow. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much. You look great. Uh, yeah, only just getting started. I'm like, I'm excited about what I'm going to do in my 50s. I'm like, ooh, what, what am I going to start in my 50s? Like, that's going to be fun, right? The kids will be older. I'll be able to do, I don't know, something crazy. We'll see. We'll see. Ah, <laughs> I love the sound Maybe of that. roller skating. Maybe I'll Maybe start roller skating. skating. <laughs> Which brings me very neatly to my next question. What is next for Auntie Skater? What plans are you concocting? Yeah, well, I've got some really, really exciting things coming up. I am starting to put together an online course for everyone out there who wants to start skateboarding and just the basics, like adult to adult. You know, I think there's a different way to learn as an adult. So I'm starting to put like about six or seven beginner, absolute beginner courses together and they'll be available online. And the world is opening up again, Singida. So I'm going to start some trips. Like I've made a lot of friends all over the world. And so a lot of the things that I hear is that people are afraid to go to the skate park. They're afraid to start. They don't know where to start. So I'm going to start organizing some skate trips, uh, maybe in California or UK or Banff. We'll see. So you follow me on Instagram at Auntie Skates or TikTok at Auntie Skates and you can stay updated on that. Brilliant. And I think what you just said there, a lot of people are scared to go to skate park because it's full of trendy young people, right? Like I wouldn't even look at that and think, oh, I'm going to go do that because it just looks terrifying. But I think what you're doing, which is taking people to those places and to say, look, actually, it's not that scary and it can be fun and we can do it together is absolutely wonderful. Right. I mean, I want I want there to be a recipe of success. I want people to succeed at this thing that they're trying. It's very scary to be an adult getting on a skateboard. I'm not going to take that away from anybody. But 
there's some secrets to make it a little bit easier. And I've got those secrets and I want to share it with people and I'm looking forward to it. I'm sure loads of people listening to this will be very excited to share that journey with you. Thank you so much, Urbi, for being on Masala Podcast and for sharing all your wisdom and all the fun things that you've done. And also kind of like, I love how it's almost like skating is a metaphor for life, I think. It's almost saying, get on there, keep, you know, fall, but that's not a big deal. You know, you get up and do it again and again and again. And don't get hung up. Yeah, and uh, auntie's got your back. And auntie's got your back. (laughs) (laughs) Auntie's got your back. I love that. I absolutely love that. Thank you so much for being a Masala podcast. Thank you. I'm Sangeeta Pillai. Thank you for listening to Masala podcast, a Spotify original. Masala podcast is part of my platform, Soul Sutras. What's that all about? Soul Sutras is a network for South Asian women, a safe space to tell our stories, to hear inspiring South Asian women challenging patriarchy, a space to be exactly the people we want to be and still feel like we belong in our culture and our community, and ultimately a space where we feel less alone. I'd love to hear from you, so do get in touch via email at soulsutras.co.uk or go to my website soulsutras.co.uk I'm also on Twitter and Instagram. Just look for Soul Sutras. Masala Podcast was created and presented by me, Sangeeta Pillai, produced by Anushka Tate, opening music by Sunny Robertson. Besharam Batameez Gandhi Hi, hi, bad bitty.